We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Our sermon time is going to be unique today. For our sermon, we are going to have a panel discussion around our text for the morning, Daniel chapter 2, 31 through 46. In fact, you may want to go ahead and find in your Bibles, Daniel chapter 2, 31 through 46. Now, before we do that and we get to our discussion around the text, I want to call on Pastor Aaron Hufty. He's our associate pastor of music and worship here. And for a while now, God has been stirring something good in Aaron's heart. Aaron has been encouraging his own family and encouraging many of us on staff to begin to consider what does worship in your home looks, look like? And he's been practicing with his own family, worshiping in their home in the evenings. And it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful expression of our faith. And so in these days, I wanted to give Aaron a moment to share with us how God has moved and worked in his life around family and home worship. Aaron, come. Thanks, Pastor. In Exodus chapter 12, Moses is giving instructions to the Israelites about how to prepare for the Passover, this incredible event that would define the, the people of Israel. And one of the instructions that he gives them, he says, and when you get into the promised land and your kids ask you, why are we doing these things? You're going to tell them exactly this story. And scripture all throughout talks to us about how we are to communicate with our kids about who God is, who is Jesus, who is he to me? And so as pastor said several months ago, the Lord really laid on my heart a desire to share with others the responsibility that we have as parents, as couples, as, as families of all generations to gather around the word of God in our homes. I think, the, I think the Lord is certainly in that and will honor that. And in my family, it's, it's very simple. We have a real simple formula. Read, pray, and sing. After dinner, as we gather at the table, one of the things that we do is we just open the Word of God. And we'll, we'll read a, a passage, a story. And we've got children from four years old to 13, and, and my wife and I, and we just gather around the Word of the Lord. It's 10 minutes where we just share. And let me tell you, friends, when you open the Word of God in your home and your family sees you reading the Word, the Lord is in that. Amen. And as we gather to pray, and the opportunity that I have to pray over my girls, to pray with my wife, and for our kids to see us praying together, I know that the Lord is going to bless that for years to come. I believe that the, the world can change because of this. I believe the church can change because of this, of us taking on the responsibility to gather as families around the Word of God. You don't need a degree from a seminary. What you need is the Word of the Lord. You open the Word, and, and you find a translation that's appropriate for your kids. You find a storybook Bible. You find whatever it is to, to open it up and read together. Ten minutes is our maximum, where we open the Word, we share a word of prayer, and we sing together. Now, don't forget to sing. So you, f you find a worship song that you love, something that, that your kids will resonate with, just that, that teaches the truth of who God is. But one of the responsibilities that Scripture calls us to is to praise Him in song. So I want to encourage you, in this time of uncertainty, and we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know that the Lord is in this. So you gather around the Word of God with your family, and I know that He will, will bless you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. 
us perfect in who we need to be. Now, let me introduce uh, the two men that are sitting with me. Uh, first, this is Danny Panter, our associate pastor of Next Gen Marrieds and Community uh, Ministries. Uh, Danny also is our preacher in our contemporary worship service, and so he was prepared to preach this week and not getting that opportunity. And this to my right, this, <laughs> this person, <laughs> this man to my right is Brian Richardson. He is our associate pastor of uh, pastoral ministry and single adult. Brian was also prepared to preach today, and so... Was I? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, he may or may not have been prepared to preach today. So if I understand correctly, we have two sermons today. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> two sermons. Get ready. Don't, don't turn off your sets uh, just yet. No, we do not have right. two sermons today. In fact, we're going to try to keep these guys in check uh, as we, we get to the... That's fair. To, to the that's word fair. of the Lord, but... Gentlemen, thank you for being flexible, and thank you for coming to the text yes. in this way. So we're grateful that you're here, and we're going to have a discussion around Daniel chapter 2. Now, the reason that we are in Daniel chapter 2 is because at First Baptist San Antonio, we practice what we call reverse. Reverse is one text all week long. One text in Sunday school, the same text in all of our worship services, the same text in your small groups, the same text on Wednesday night. And so we are bathed in a single text. And you will get your reverse text three or four times during the week. If you read our pastor's daily blog, you'll get the same scripture every day. And right now, for our reverse study, we're moving through the book of Daniel. And this week, we are in Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 uh, through the end of the chapter, which I believe is verse 49. Now, in this, we're in the middle of a story. And so, these two uh, men are going to help us walk through that story. But let me catch you up on where we are. It, Daniel in chapter 1 has been lauded as a wise man in captivity in Babylon. And so he has risen through the ranks. And in Daniel chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has now come and said he's had a dream and it's worried him. In fact, he's lost sleep because of this dream. And he wants to know the truth of it. He wants to know, well, what does this mean? It's very unsettling. And so he calls out to all the magicians and, and astronomers and, and conjurers, and he says, I need you to come tell me what this means. But as they gather around King Nebuchadnezzar, he tells them, I'm not going to tell you the dream. You have to tell me the dream, then you can tell me what it means. So they all gather around him and say, there's no man in this world that can tell you what you dreamed. And he says, doesn't matter. If one of you can't tell me the way this text goes, he says, I'm going to tear you limb from limb, and all of the wise men of Babylon will be executed if one of you can't tell me. And so in these moments, Daniel finds out that he and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, are all about to be executed. And the text tells us Daniel responded with discernment and discretion. In fact, Daniel and his three friends, the four of them, fell on their knees before God in prayer. Mm -hmm. And as they prayed, they said, God, give us wisdom. Show us compassion. Give us the way. And God gave Daniel the king's dream. And so this week's text is Daniel coming before King Nebuchadnezzar and telling him this dream. 
And so he lays out the dream. It's, it's a statue, a large statue that's broken up into four pieces. The top is a head of gold, and then it goes down through the body, and then to feet that crumble into clay. And there's, there's much in the middle. But that's our text in Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, through the end of the chapter. And one of the beautiful things about this statue is that there's something not made of human hands. There's a rock from heaven that comes in in truth and might and disrupts the whole situation. So as we come to Daniel chapter 2, this is a difficult thing for some of us to process because it is an historic text. In fact, it's, it's specifically dated some 2,500 years ago. So Danny, will you help us to begin? How do we set this text in its historical context. How did you come to the history and what did you find as you were studying about this dream this week? Absolutely, um, the Babylonian Empire is just entering its second major emergence into the world stage, being led by King Nebuchadnezzar. This guy was not a pleasant person to be around. He was a despot, he was a tyrant. And as we've already learned, when he would overwhelm and overcome uh, another city, state, or kingdom, he would bring along uh, young, wise, incredibly uh, talented people like Daniel and his uh, great friends. And so um, Nebuchadnezzar is eager in his own pride to advance his kingdom as much as possible and seeing himself as really, uh, in every sense of the world, uh, word, the king of the world. He wants to conquer the whole world. Yeah, and this king of the world, there are multiple times in Daniel where he says he's just going to rip people limb from limb, That's and he right. has these moments of, of severe anger and takes it out on communities, and it's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, would you help us in the same way? When you, when you were shaping the historical context around this dream and this statue, where did the Lord take you? Well, there are, I think there are two levels uh, that are presented in the stream. First is the geopolitical level. Right. Here. I mean, you've got this statue, and as Danny said, it's uh, the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar the second really is who he is, and, mm -hmm. and uh, he he is. Um, followed by some other kingdoms. Uh, Daniel interprets this dream. It's, it's uh, gold, silver, bronze, uh, iron, and then iron and clay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and each of those levels of metallurgy uh, reflect kings that are uh, kingdoms that are diminishing in their quality to be, you know, mighty over all the earth. And, and then this uh, stone uh, comes and smashes the whole thing. Now, there have been many different interpretations as to uh, what exact kingdoms these represent, right. you know, so, you know, your mileage may vary, you know, you, you don't, you don't know <laughs> what, what uh, scholars disagree, but I mean, it could be the, the king, all the kings that were mentioned in the book of Daniel could be, you know, something else, uh, other kingdoms like the Roman yeah, Empire, ending whatever. in Rome, ending right, in Rome. With, with Christ, yeah, exactly, uh, but whatever is the truth, this, this large uh, stone comes and just knocks everything to smithereens, and so we, it smashes everything. And so there is a, there is a, a, a geopolitical component here, but then there is this overarching um, end of time component mm -hmm. uh, that 
anchors us beyond geopolitics. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Well well done, Brian. So as we we think about this dream, there's Nebuchadnezzar's dream, there's the statue, a golden head, and the golden head is Nebuchadnezzar himself. And I think there's some pride in that, which says, I'm the head, I'm the golden head, I'm the king of the world in this way. And at the end of the dream, this, this stone comes in, smashes the statue, and leaves nothing but dust. And, and the wind comes and just sweeps it away as if the kingdoms of this world yeah. are so temporary. They're, they're like us, even as humanity, that, that we are but a vapor that just dissipates with the wind. And this, this part of this dream is the kingdoms of the world will fall and dissipate into nothingness. Mm-hmm. And that there is this rock out of heaven mm-hmm. that comes and then forms this mountain as the dream unfolds, a mountain rises out of this rock. And so help us, so Danny, as we, we move yep. forward, that gets us into the theological context of this chapter. Yes. Now, w- what do you hear about who God is and, and who God is in this dream and how that shapes this narrative? I think at, at its simplest, um, and we've already kind of mentioned this, is that um, any kingdoms of men are temporary. Mm-hmm. And it, the kingdom of God is everlasting and nothing can overwhelm it or stop it. There's this picture um, of the kingdom of God that has always been emerging mm-hmm. uh, in the context of all of these earthly empires. Right. And none of the wealth and power of these empires can stop the emergence of God's kingdom, which will last forever and ever. And you know, we look, um, you know, Daniel is very much apocalyptic literature. It's mm-hmm. about the end right. things, the end times. And we see the word Babylon, obviously, in Daniel, and we see it in Revelation. And the word Babylon, the empire of Babylon, becomes a sign or symbol of man's arrogance, hubris, yeah. and revolt against the leadership and holiness of God. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and that's what the, pic, the, the dream represents, is all of the hubris of man as it shakes its fists at the Lord, and yet they can't stand against the Lord for his kingdom is eternal. Yeah, you see in this dream that the kingdoms of the world are in no comparison to no the kingdom comparison. of God. Yes. Right? And the, the kingdom of God is holy and brings the rest of the kingdoms into complete submission into his will and his purposes. Absolutely. The kingdom of God. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Brian, as you were reading this, how, how did you come into this, this conversation about who God is and how God is speaking in this, this it, dream? It's very important, I think, to to see that God comes to Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, he yes. is coming to Nebuchadnezzar That's and right. he's communicating something. In fact, in verse 30, before today's text, uh, it, Daniel says, this dream has been given to you so that you will know and understand. Mm-hmm. So the, the Lord wants this man to know and understand something. So God is coming to him. And I think that, and Danny, you were saying earlier in our conversation uh, before the service here that that that's a great mercy of God to be a revealer. Uh, you know, it's one of his mercies that he comes to us and reveals. And one of the things that is beyond the, uh, the, the world history notion of this dream is that, uh, is the notion of mortality. I mean, mm-hmm. Nebuchadne- here's Daniel standing in front of Nebuchadnezzar and saying, one day you and your kingdom will be gone. It, yeah. mm-hmm. You will die. Now that's a very bold statement to make in front of the most powerful man on earth that, that Daniel knew, you know, right. and yet he makes that statement. Uh, he will die. And I think that's one of the most often neglected realities of us all is that mm-hmm. we will die. 
And so there's this macrocosm that the kingdoms will vanish, but that also means that each of us is mortal. And I, I read a, a tweet uh, this week from this woman uh, who used to be an atheist and now she's a, she's a nun. She came to the realization that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and she's a vibrant Christian leader. And she said, if you're feeling nervous about the coronavirus and don't meditate on your death regularly, now might be a good time to start rather than a mindless reaction to current events, memento mori or meditation on death helps us to bring our doubts and anxieties about death to Jesus. Mm. Go to him, mm. he's listening. And that's exactly the kind of perspective that Daniel brought to Nebuchadnezzar. One day you will end. Yeah. What then? Yeah, and when we think theologically, right, God is the eternal one. Absolutely And it's God right. alone that yeah. is eternal. That's exactly and right. And we are frail and we are failing and our bodies are weakening and aging That's and right. we confront that every day, don't the, we? Yeah. We do, some of us more than others. But, <laughs> but we, we, we have to, we have to anchor somewhere beyond Absolutely. the now. Brian, you yeah. look wonderful for 75. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. I was I mean, thinking the exact same thing. It's TV. It's TV. It's TV. And the makeup. Uh, and the makeup. <laughs> but, uh, the makeup. But, yeah. you know, I was thinking about this as well as um, history happens very much in the present with real people. That's right. In this case, between two people. And mm-hmm. it was an incredible act of mercy. Anytime we see God revealing himself to another, it's a call to know him and to repent. Amen. And this began a journey with Nebuchadnezzar that yep. we're gonna come to the end of in the next few chapters, but it was also an incredible act of grace for Daniel. This is the first time uh, he has received revelation from God. And you can imagine a young man, probably 18 to 19 years old, mm-hmm. ripped from his home, a brand new culture, brand new language, everything, probably uncertainty and fear. He's clinging to the promises of God and then he hears the revelation of God through Nebuchadnezzar and then in a dream of his own. It had to be such grace for God to say, Daniel, I know where you are. Yeah, that's right. I know where you are and I know your future. That's right. Do not fear. Do not fear. That's right. They were exiles. Yes. The, the temple had been destroyed. Jerusalem had been left in ruins. And God coming to Daniel, I'm still with you. What a, what a beautiful and moment. And through Nebuchadnezzar. Right. And through Nebuchadnezzar. Ex- exactly. Yeah. God using this, this pagan king mm-hmm. um, in his will and in his ways. It, it's a beautiful picture, yes. isn't it? Brian, um, help us move forward. So, so bring it from history, some, you know, it says some 2,500 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And how does a text like this still apply today? I mean, how does this speak to San Antonio? How does this speak to 2020 when we read Daniel chapter two? I don't think there's a more important question yes. than that when you come to the Bible. How does this speak mm-hmm. today to right. us, to San Antonio, to, you know, mm-hmm. where we are? And I can't think of a better passage of Scripture uh, than this. It, it has absolutely amazed me that this is the particular passage that we're talking about today because mm-hmm. who of us has not been the, the sufferer of insomnia and weighty thoughts that just uh, completely flatten us out? I mean, we... Like Nebuchadnezzar. We have, uh, like Nebuchadnezzar, right. exactly. He, here he was, and this is probably not... 
I, I like to think that it's probably not the first dream, troubling dream that he had. Maybe, maybe this was the, the culmination and he didn't want any more of this same mumbo jumbo from his conjurers, you know, the Department of Conjuring or whatever. Uh, yeah. he, it was just, it was, uh, he wanted the truth. And how many of us are weighed down by that and we have sleepless nights and so forth, especially these days. And the Lord is coming and he's saying, I, I have not lost track of you. You know, uh, you were saying that he knew exactly where Daniel was. Well, he knows exactly where Nebuchadnezzar is and he knows he's speaking through all of that to us today. Absolutely. He knows where you are and has not lost track of you. Absolutely. And there's, there's some of us that feel as though we are in exile in Absolutely. the same way. And we feel as though God is distant or has forgotten us, but God is real and tangible and present. There, there are questions on all of our minds all the time and this current crisis only underscores those questions. Will anyone know I was here? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to my dreams? Who's going to take care of the ones that I love? I mean, these questions tumble out of us and we all, these aren't the questions of a finite person or of a weak person. They're questions of finite people, all of us. And we all say, who's going to take care of me? And that keeps us up at night like it did Nebuchadnezzar. And God says, I am coming to you with that answer. So so Danny, when you were preparing your sermon and you were moving into application, where did you you take this and did, you know, the current uh, affairs, did did that that reshape that or that change that? Or where did you find application in Daniel chapter two? I I think the current events allowed for me to re-anchor and re-center these truths that have been handed down to us from over a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. uh, two thousand years mm-hmm. ago, three thousand years Amazing. ago, mm-hmm. um, that they are just as true to Daniel in that moment of uncertainty. To know that God never catches up to human history, but He holds it and and guides it in the palm of His hands. Mm-hmm. He guides the hearts of kings and kingdoms. And I, I imagine that Daniel wasn't just thinking about himself, but he was thinking about his people. That's right. His people, that the promise was, after 70 years, I will regather my people and reestablish my kingdom with them. And of course, this dream went way, way beyond that. But that had to bring such moving from uncertainty to certainty and trust in the work of God. And so applying that to my own life, I was able to recenter those truths and look at current events, not with uh, anxiety, but with joy. To know that my God has always been on the move and he's on the move now and he's doing a good work, not just for me, but for his church all over the world and we can rest, we can rest in that. You know, Jesus said in John 16, 33 to his disciples, I've said these things so that you can have peace. But let me tell you, you're gonna have trouble Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And that's the dream. That's right. That's 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 the dream. Jesus says, listen, church, I've overcome the world. There's no kingdom that can stand against my kingdom. I've overwhelmed the spirit and hubris and arrogance of the kingdoms of men, and I've overcome it Mm -hmm. because of my life, because of my death on the cross for the sins of the world and my resurrection with victory over sin and death. I am the cornerstone. So that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ 
is Lord. That's right. And that gives That's me right. joy and confidence. Yeah, when, when we read through Daniel, you get to Daniel chapter 1, and, and we see that Israel has been exiled, that Babylon has came in, uh, come in and, and destroyed Jerusalem, um, uh, destroyed the temple, they, uh, they've taken the people out of Israel brought them into exile into Babylon. And in those moments, it looks as though God has been defeated. Mm. But this is all at the hand of God. This is the movement of God working through history. We see a similar thing happen at the cross when, when Jesus is walking to the cross and, and taken right. under the Roman authorities. It looks as though Jesus Christ has been defeated, but that was exactly the work of God in that moment. And that moment that looked like defeat was exactly what we needed. And this day in the church was that work of Christ on the cross. And so in those days that feel hopeless and feel like we have been defeated. The, the church has not been defeated. No. The kingdom of God has not been overwhelmed or overcome, but always God is in control and He is saying He's with us. He's not lost track right. of us. Right. His kingdom is still coming in a mighty and powerful way, and God is doing good work in the city. Mm. God's doing good work in this country. If only we would surrender unto His ways. Mm. If we would repent fall on our knees before God and surrender to Him and say, I am wholly yours. We might see a mighty work of the Spirit happen. Revival may come in these days because of what God has been doing. So now as we move to a time of invitation, it is going to be unique. Because our pews are empty, but our praise is happening all over the city. And so in our time of invitation, this is our moment to respond to God. So wherever you find yourself this morning, how is God stirring in your heart? How, how is God calling you to obedience? And let's, let's, let's fall to our knees or let's raise our hands and shout for joy. But however God is calling you to respond this morning, let us respond in faithful obedience unto the Lord. Listen for how He's stirring in your heart. And God has called us to obedience today. You know, it's times like this we're reminded we're not promised tomorrow. But God has said, be obedient in this time. Be obedient to me today, and I will take care of tomorrow. So if you would be faithful, listen to God's word today. He'll take care of tomorrow. Mm. It'll worry about itself. So as you feel compelled, let us respond to the Lord. Aaron, come and lead. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.